Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, that was weak. Good afternoon. A little better. Um, how is everyone doing? Well, I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> um, as Mike mentioned, it was a whirlwind getting here, but God is so good. And I could clearly see why he had me have a little detour this morning. I had a divine appointment on the flight over of an individual where he's from San Diego. Well, he was going to San Diego, which I'm originally from. So that started up a conversation. And then slowly he revealed to me that about not too long ago, he had lost his five-month-year-old child and both him and his wife are grieving and during the grieving process so um, and at the end of it, it was so beautiful he said I wish I had what you had and I said and what is that he's like I wish I could believe in God and that was just a rich and meaningful um, experience and conversation that I'm sorry for the delay and ASI for having to work things out but I know that God intended for me to be on that flight so um, I'm doing fantastic and I hope you all are too um, but without further ado, let's jump into today's presentation. Mind your own busyness. And if you were probably too busy to read that title, you probably read Mind Your Own Business or thought I made a typo. But no, Mind Your Own Busyness. We'll be looking at the mental health crisis in the professional world. And for me, it's almost impossible to talk about mental health within 20 minutes. So please pray for me as well as buckle your seatbelt because it'll probably be a little fast ride. Uh, but before we begin, I always like to have a word of prayer, so let us just bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege it is to be here at ASI. Lord, I thank you so much for um, the traveling mercies that we all had in being here, Lord. Not only the divine appointment that I had on the plane, but Lord, you have the divine appointment of all of us being here today. Lord, we don't know what we're going to learn or what how we're going to be touched, but Lord, we pray that you may touch us, Lord, and that we may leave this experience changed and closer and closer to you, Lord. So I pray that you may be with me, may your words be in my mouth, and your spirit in the hearts of those who are listening. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I think this is working. Um, so when they invited me to talk, they asked me to specifically talk about the global impact of the mental health crisis. And so, for instance, that would include talking about how billions and billions of dollars are being spent in healthcare, how mental health is, you know, the fourth leading cause of disability. And I'm not going to be talking about that. And the reason why is I think that often we want to talk about the global impact of the mental health crisis because it allows for us to avoid or deflect talking about the real impact. And the real impact is the personal impact. How does mental health and the mental health crisis personally impact you, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your church, our church, our church leaders? how it personally impacts you as a young professional. And, you know, we don't want to talk about that because that, that could be uncomfortable, right? We don't want to talk about how perhaps people here today in this very room are struggling with depression, anxiety, ADD, fill in the blank. 
Again, that's not comfortable. And maybe some of you are already feeling uncomfortable. Um, but often I say, you know, as a mental health professional, my job's not to make you feel comfortable. Not in a voyeuristic way, but in the sense that a lot of times it is in the discomfort that change, real change, begins to happen. And often we need to be aware of the problem before we can really know what is the solution. So one of my main goals of today's presentation is to really just bring awareness, not just of the mental health crisis, but how it personally impacts you. Whether you've struggled with mental health in the past, whether you're currently struggling, whether you might so in the future, or for some of you that might think, oh, it'll never impact me. Well, maybe not directly, but indirectly. Your friends, your coworkers, people you minister to. We'll talk about the stats and how it is such, it is impacting so many people that is something we need to talk about. And it's something that we need to talk more and more about within our church. The stats between the world and the, the church are not very different. And the thing is, you know, it's not a spiritual issue. This, these mental health issues are real. And so we're going to talk about the stats. We're going to talk a little bit about the causes of these mental health issues within the professional world. And then I'll briefly talk about the solutions or resources. Okay, so just general statistics. Okay, I always like to do a quick little dynamic um, activity. So I'm going to read a statement, or we're going to say a statement about mental health, and we're going to do myth or fact. So if you think it's fact, I want you to do a thumbs up. If you think it's a myth, thumbs down. Okay, is everyone ready? So mental health and mental health disorders are mostly genetic. Okay, it's not a quiz, so just whatever you think is, okay, this is a mixture. Okay, mental health disorders are mostly from due to a poor childhood. Some people don't want to answer. Okay. Um, suicide is among the top 10 leading causes of death. Okay, that was a, everyone unanimous. Uh, let's see, the number one line of treatment for mental health conditions is psychopharmacology, so medications. Okay, that one's a little mixed. Okay, 20% of the American population currently suffer with a mental health condition. Okay, so we're gonna talk about some of these statistics. So one in five, the one we just covered, American adults live with a mental health disorder. That's about 20%. So that's about 44 million. But that's just kind of currently when they took a look at it in 2016. 50% suffer from a mental health condition over the course of their lifetime. So you think about 50% of this room would suffer from a mental health condition over the course of our lifetime. And then one in 25 of those who suffer with a mental health condition have a mental health condition that substantially interferes with their life. That's like, you know, the severe depression that people can't even sustain a job, right? So something that sub substantially interferes with their life. And then other stats, about 18% anxiety, 7% um, depressive episodes, and so forth. And then you'll notice in the bottom there, it talks about how um, what's often co-occurring with mental health conditions is substance use. And we'll talk about a little bit of how people try to self-medicate when they're struggling. 
Um, this, the prevalence rates, again, this is 2016, are higher among women than men. Um, and then this middle piece here, this middle bullet, is something that I really want to call your attention to. You notice that it is highest among kind of young adults. They split it between 18 and 25 and 26 and 49. But if you think about the age group here, we fall along the, one, the, the risk, the highest risk for mental health conditions among age groups. And then it's highest among multicultural groups. I always like to mention this because um, suicide is real and suicide also happens within the church, sadly. Um, you'll notice that yes, and everyone was unanimous on this one, the leading, among the top 10 leading causes of death is suicide across all age groups. But I want to call your attention to this age group here. Um, I don't know everyone's age, but just generally, young people, young adults, even from 15 all the way to 34, it is the second leading cause of death. Only second to unintentional injury, which is a very broad category that catches a lot of different types of death. So it's second leading cause among this age group. In 2016, it claimed 45,000 lives, which is double the rate of homicide. So let's just let that settle in for a little bit, right? Suicide is real, um, and sadly, we need to talk more about it. So now I want to take a look about the statistics specifically within the professional world. So there's not a lot of studies done that look at the stats of mental health among young professionals. But if we take a look at the stats we just looked at, right, so young adults are at the highest rate. And then we look at the stats on professional world and combine them, we realize that this group, young professionals, have a high risk of developing mental health conditions. My job is not to scare you this afternoon, but just, again, bring awareness. Because I think a lot of times we say, oh, that's never going to impact me until there's a flaming fire and you're trying to put it out. We want to prevent, right? We don't want to wait till it's a huge fire that seems unmanageable. So looking at the stats within young professionals and entrepreneurs, and I consider all young professionals entrepreneurs. If you think about the qualities of, of entrepreneurs, they have to be innovative, they have to be creative, often they have high levels of responsibility, they have to risk take, right? And they have to set themselves apart. And as Christians as well, Christian young professionals, those are our qualities, right? We have, we have a high sense of responsibility right? Save souls. What greater responsibility than that? And then we have to often set ourselves apart when we go into a field and we're young, right? So we are entrepreneurs. So now looking at stats, if we thought 20% among the American population is a lot, now you notice that now it's 49% among entrepreneurs. So the risk goes up dramatically. And that's just suffering from one mental health condition. Suffering from two or more is about 33%, one third. That is drastic. When I saw this, I thought, wow, right? And we'll talk about why is the case. So now breaking it down a little bit, entrepreneurs are twice as likely to suffer from depression twice, six times more likely to suffer from ADHD or ADD. We'll talk a little bit about why. Three times more likely to suffer from substance abuse. Ten times more likely to suffer from bipolar. Twice as likely to have a psychiatric hospitalization. Twice as likely to have suicidal thoughts. And 
they're also just generally more likely to have higher rates of narcissism, of um, you know, impulse, impulsivity, risky behavior taking, and other addictive traits. So we're gonna talk about what are the causes of these high rates. And I want you just to quickly think about why is it that young adults and professionals or entrepreneurs have these high, high rates? Anyone have any quick ideas? Pressure, stress, uncertainty, fear, okay? These are spot on. Dr. Neil Nedley and his team do an excellent job at highlighting some 10 kind of main risk factors for developing mental illness. And you can see here it ranges from genetics to you know developmental, like poor childhood, kind of some of the questions we asked earlier, lifestyle factors. But I'm gonna take a look at specifically what are risk factors for young professionals. So I want you to reflect as I talk about these, I want you to reflect on what might be your potential risk factors. Um, in order to, again, start thinking about solutions. So I like to break it down into predisposing, precipitating, and perpetuating factors. Um, so predisposing, basically, kind of risk factors even before you enter into a field. So someone mentioned stress and pressure. That's, you know, when you get into a field. This, these are factors that you have, like risk factors, before you even get into the field. So perhaps before you enter your field, you're already struggling with a mental health condition. Maybe you have depression, anxiety. ADD, you'll notice there that the, the rate for entrepreneurs is 300% more likely. And that's because sometimes it's like self-selection, right? Individuals who have certain tendencies or characteristics are sometimes drawn to certain professions. But that can also be a risk factor. The same strengths that might you know, propel you to be successful might be the same weaknesses that can cause you to have a mental health breakdown. And then maybe you go into a field already having high risk, um, whether you have a past history of substance use and you came to the Lord and had a conversion experience. Maybe you had a past history of depression. Depression often comes in cycles. Um, or perhaps you have a past history of trauma. And I start this one is because working in the church, working with leaders in the church, I realize this is a lot more common than what we talk about. Trauma can include a number of different things. Trauma can include, you know, childhood abuse, sexual abuse, um, you know, verbal abuse, physical abuse, etc. It could be even, you know, a, a severe car accident or a life-threatening experience. But trauma is a common experience among leaders. And we'll talk about how often we come to these fields looking for healing and we do find healing but sometimes we use the very same field and we work in a way to avoid that healing I'll talk about that in a little bit or maybe you have high risk of certain traits you notice that you're very impulsive or you have addicted type tendencies or you're not comfortable with stability these can all be risk factors another key thing that I want to highlight is a lot of times thoughts or core beliefs, which I don't have time to get into, um, but that can be a risk factor. If you notice yourself having a tendency towards negative thinking, you're like, oh, but everyone has that. This can be a potential risk factor to later de developing a mental health condition. 
so this is where a lot of people started getting into the, the, the causes, where we think about on-the-job risk factors. So maybe it's a high-pressure, high-stress you know, stress environment. Um, somebody mentioned like impression management, right? Just being watched and feeling like you have to perform. And often when you feel like you have to perform, your identity, uh, your identity starts being fused with the outcomes. Oh, I am good because I'm doing good, but I feel like a failure when I'm not doing so well. And that can then escalate into a mental health condition in the sense of, again, multiple factors coming together. And then I wanted to mention this sacrificial mindset. We have this mindset often when it comes to ministry and our professions that we have to sacrifice everything for the Lord. And often it's sacrificing your health. The health goes right out the door. Sleep, diet, um, exercise. Oof, if we were to ask how many of our church leaders exercise, right? Because that often we think we have to sacrifice everything for the Lord. But God wants you to invest in yourself, not to be self-centered, so that you can give more to others. Isolation is a huge one as well. Um, especially for depression. Um, you wonder why, you know, Paul talks about not, you know, making sure not to forget coming together. You know, don't forget the assembly. Because I, we are social beings and we need each other to not just, you know, be aware, but to also to grow and to be challenged and to, to grow moving forward. There could also be general stressors that kind of set something off. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you experienced a trauma. Um, or maybe a medical condition. But these are kind of triggers that can lead to a mental health condition. The last one is perpetuating. These are things that keep you in the cycle of mental health difficulties. And so the number one thing across the board of any mental health condition of poor coping is avoidance. And we do it a lot. So I want to highlight this idea of self-medication. We think about the world and how they use alcohol and drugs and we're like, that's not us. But we have our ways of self-medicating too that are not healthy. Um, Adventists often, we don't eat meat, but we're you know, addicted to sugar. We use sugar to deal with our stress and our anxiety, etc. Um, pornography, it happens. We have to talk about it. Media, how, do you go to media for the sake of you know, getting your dopamine shot because it feels good to have 50 likes? Also, unnecessary spending. The function of these things, right? Some of these things, you have to buy things, so they're not necessarily bad, but are, using it, are you using it to numb your own emotional pain? And this last one, spiritual avoidance or the addiction of ministry. Mercy, what is that? Often we go into ministry with a good intention, and sometimes we use ministry to hide from our own brokenness. So if God shows me my brokenness, I just I feel better when I'm out doing for others. But it's not comfortable to recognize that I'm broken. And so we use ministry the same way people are workaholics. They work in order to avoid having to do with their emotional pain. Often we are ministryaholics and that we engage in ministry to a point where we're not addressing the healing that God wants to give each and every one of you. Lifestyle. You know, there's so many studies on the power of lifestyle when it comes to mental health. You know, even if, you know, a good diet can reduce depressive or anxiety symptoms by 50%. So the, the importance of lifestyle and not allowing for, again, that sacrificial mindset to allow you to be vulnerable to mental health instability. And then the last one, not minding your own business, busyness. And 
I want to mention this quote. It says, given the extraordinary impact entrepreneurs, and I'm going to cross out entrepreneurs and put Christian young professionals, given the extraordinary impact Christian young professionals have on our world economy and in the life to come, it is critically important that they operate in a state of optimum emotional and relational health. Unfortunately, in our current zeitgeist of founder burnout as a benchmark of entrepreneur excellence, such has not been the case. And I know I'm running out of time, so I just want to say this. With solutions or resources, often people come to me and say, what should I do? Mental health is not a one-size-fits-all. What we do when I have a patient, they come in, we do an extensive intake interview to understand what specifically for that person are their um, risk factors. And so I can't say here, do this and solved. You have to really clarify what are, what's contributing to my mental health condition, and then that's where you have to intervene. And so if you're struggling because you have a past history of trauma and you haven't dealt with it, that's where you intervene. If you realize it's lifestyle that you've been lacking on your health, that's where you intervene. But you have to clarify and come to the Lord. Ask him, God, like, I don't know what's going on. Help me clarify, and then God will give you the power to act. And then prevention. For some of you, you might say, I'm not there, I'm not struggling, but maybe you will, right? Prevention is huge. And the last thing I just want to quickly touch on is this idea of the great controversy. When we talk about the mental health crisis, we don't think about the great controversy that's happening. It's a spiritual battle in the sense that the devil knows that you all hear why young professionals have the highest risk. Because the devil knows that you have the greatest fear of influence. You have power. And if you don't mind your own busyness, then you don't allow for God to work with you and to work in you and work through you in the way that he intends. But if you have any questions, because I know that was a whirlwind, um, please find me throughout today, tomorrow. Um, come talk to me. I'm more than happy to answer any and all questions. But God bless, friends. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.